G'day humans, what's a good word? Chris Bundy here with Pretty as Alex for another edition of Wrestling All Style. This time talking outside the ring for Alex's choice of Bloodsport 1988. Alex, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Um, we always talked about we'll end up doing a Bloodsport episode, but I'm not too sure if this is what you meant. No, not initially, but uh, here we are. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, this is just... Another 80s throwback that I keep throwing at you. Um, very 80s. I love this so much. This is just so much, so much stupid fun. Yeah, and I suppose, like, whilst these movies may not have aged the best special effects wise, they're still really good movies. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to assume you've seen this movie before, right? Yeah, no doubt I would have watched it with Dad or one of my brothers. Oh, I can picture your dad loving this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he certainly does. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I also picked this because this is a movie good friend of the show, Warwick Thompson, loves, so I thought I'd throw him a bone and pick this one um yeah this is just this is just as 80s as it gets yeah it certainly doesn't get more 80s than this does it no no um gosh this movie should we just dive straight into it yeah let's go ahead um so it stars jean-claude van damme Exactly. Yep. Um, just this is like his breakthrough role too. So this is like the beginning of the John Claude Van Damme era in action movies. Um, man, this is just Jean Claude Van Damme. He's like so young here too, but looks of things, he seems so young here. Um, man, this is just him at his best, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's sort of um, something that he'd later become known for. Yeah, and uh, and this is based on a true story. <laughs> oh wow! Really? Um, yep, based on a real the real life Frank Dukes or Ducks or however. Um, who was a U.S. Army captain, and he had an interview with a martial arts magazine in the early 80s, and he talked about his time in the Kumite martial arts tournament. Uh, since then, multiple people have pretty much pointed out that this dude was full of crap <laughs> and that all this never happened. <laughs> Still and makes his... for a great movie. Yeah, and I don't care if he made it up or whatever. It makes for a fun movie. And you know what? Tall tales get taller as time goes on, whatever. But yeah, this is just so much fun. And we kick the movie off with U.S. Army Captain Frank Dukes. And he's been trained in the ways of ninjutsu under his sensei Senzo Tanaka. And we see flashbacks of him as a boy. He broke into Tanaka's home to steal a sword 
And Tanaka, instead of punishing him, sort of apprehended him and uh, pretty much started getting taught the ways of ninjutsu by Senzo Tanaka. Um, This movie started off really confusing for me. How about yourself? Yeah, a little bit um, confusing as to why uh, the flashback happened. I wasn't 100% sure to begin with. Yeah, like, the generic formula is you do a flashback a little bit later on in the movie or at the very start, not after, like, two minutes of seeing present-day that character. Because you've got to get attached to that character or give the background first before you see that character. But, like, this movie basically starts off with, like, Frank Dukes walking around as part of the army, and then we get a quick montage of all these fighters receiving their invitation to the tournament, the Kumite tournament, a quick montage, like, straight out of the gates, and then we get this flashback. It's not how you would typically structure a movie, and I would say probably not the best way to structure a movie. No, not not um typically. Well, I suppose it was um cliche of a number of eighties movies as well. Yeah. Um so basically he goes absent without leave from the army and his superiors like are really hesitant to let him go so he can go to Kumite in Hong Kong. Um we get the two command officers or whatever uh, pretty much travel to Hong Kong to chase him, track him down and arrest Frank, uh, JCVD, as they say. Um, one of which, one of the command officers was Forrest Whitaker, who's like an Oscar winner, world-acclaimed, really good actor. You always get like, like, in these 80s movies, there's this one, like, super acclaimed actor in a role where he cannot show off any of his acting abilities. And you get that here with Forrest Whitaker. Um, we arrive in Hong Kong, and Frank Dukes befriends American fighter Ray Jackson, who gave me some very serious Braun Strowman vibes. <laughs> That's probably a good comparison there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, you want to get these hands, Frank? Oh, I don't know. I'm just an American. Can't you tell by my accent? Um, <laughs> I, I find it very weird, like, how in every role, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme gets this. Arnold Schwarzenegger gets it as well where they're just flat out playing an American and no one ever questions their accent. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's a bit bit weird, but um, I suppose it's just works for them. Yeah, yeah. No one ever thinks twice about it. Um, no. So this Kumite tournament has been this thing going on for years. It's martial artists from all around the world with all their different styles. And, yeah, there's basically no rules to this tournament. Like, people have died before. 
we get to see this whole like big parade of all the fighters and they're all getting introduced and we see the current reigning champion Chung Lee played by Bolo Jung. I think I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, but my God, what a, what a antagonist this guy is. What a heel. What a monster heel. I love this character so much. Did you say Chum Lee? Yeah. <laughs> Those familiar with reality TV may know of a certain person who gets their nickname from this movie. Uh, this one's gone over my head. Pay TV. People in Las Vegas rip people off money, allegedly. Oh, bloody um, porn stars or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've I've seen a couple of episodes of that. My dad loves watching that stuff. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, um, continue on, kind sir. Yeah, what a what a heel, what a monster heel this dude is. He's got some uh, Hiroki Goto pants on. He's all jacked up. Oh man. Yeah, and we find out that he killed someone in last year's tournament. Um. Because that's just casually allowed. Yeah, it's just allowed. Uh, <laughs> he has this death touch thing, which is just really cool. Um, and the first day of the tournament, Frank Dukes proves his connection to the Tanaka clan by performing the death touch. Oh, we get some awesome stuff with Frank Dukes breaking bricks. And then, like, uh, Ray Jackson tries to break some bricks, too, so he just smashes one over his head. <laughs> um, man, some of the stuff here is just so great. Like, yeah, with the breaking the bricks, all that sort of stuff. Um, Dukes becomes involved with American journalist Janice Kent, um, who's investigating the Kumite. Dukes refuses to help her. She sneaks into the arena by agreeing to a date with another spectator. On the second day, Jackson is matched against Chong Lee. Although Jackson comes close to defeating Lee, he wastes time gloating, allowing Lee to recover and viciously beating him, putting him in hospital. Big stretcher job for this one. Uh, some serious heel heat. The baby face watching... Watching from his corner and everything, um, providing some real, real anticipation for the match to come later on. Uh, the beat down here was fantastic. Uh, Chong Lee steals uh, Ray Jackson's bandana, and we'll see that again later on. Um, this journalist chick, uh, this journalist lady, like, starts arguing with Frank and tries to convince him to not go back to the tournament. But he tells her that he has to win in order to become the best he can be, I guess, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the command officers from the army arrive in Hong Kong. They contact the police. They begin asking around for Dukes. They track him down to his hotel. And then we get this ridiculous chase scene through downtown uh, Hong Kong. 
where Dukes just evades them until they fall into a canal because he's running across all these bloody boats. What did you think of this chase scene? Yeah, it was quite out there. Yeah. Um, it's like getting chased and they pretty much want to like imprison the dude and he's just running around smiling like, you can't catch me, you can't catch me. Just like, okay, I guess going to jail doesn't mean that much to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure exactly what happened there. Yeah. Uh, we move on to the final day of the tournament. Chong Lee kills his opponent, much to the shock of the crowd. Fearing defeat, Lee conceals a salt pill in his waistband before the final match against Dukes. When Dukes gains the upper hand, Lee blinds him by crushing the pill and throwing it into Dukes's face. Uh, Frank Dukes versus Chong Lee. What a battle this is. We also say at the start of the fight what I think was such an awesome touch. Chong Lee like gets Ray Jackson's um, bandana and wraps it around his leg to sort of signify to to Frank Dukes like yeah I smashed your boy. <laughs> um, yeah Bolo Young is Probably the best martial arts bad guy ever, to be honest. Um, this is such an incredible fight scene. Obviously, the baby face ends up going over here in the end. Um, yeah, Dukes falls back onto his training from Tanaka, who taught him to fight blindfolded. Very convenient. Um, he overcame the handicap, defeats Lee. The next day, he bids farewell to Kent and Jackson, um, the journalist and his best buddy, who he's only known for three days, and they come somehow love each other. They both profess their love for each other after only three days. Well, that was well, strange. I suppose when you know, you know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's just... Really odd that it's only been three days. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme's jumping, spinning back kicks are just insane in this movie, by the way. I, sh I did take note of that. What else did I take note of? The smashing brick scene is incredible. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme choreographed all of his fights in this movie as well. Like, that's just something. Um... Yeah, that's some of my notes. Oh, yeah, and the movie ends with uh, Frank Dukes getting on a plane with the army guys, presumably to get imprisoned, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's not sort of really addressed what's going to happen to him because he did go AWOL. Yeah, you would assume he's going to get imprisoned. Um, I, don't think, I don't think they ever did a... Um, sequel to this did they oh they did they did oh wow oh wow there's like Bloodsport 2 3 and 4 oh so it's like Jaws 2 3 and 4 that no one really talks about yep <laughs> um since its release Bloodsport has become a cult film 
It was followed by three direct-to-video sequels, Bloodsport 2, The Next Kumite in 1996, Bloodsport 3 in 1997, and Bloodsport oh. 4, The in... Dark Kumite in 1999. So all within, oh. like, the space of four, four years. years. Jeez. Jean-Claude Van Damme did not appear in any of the sequels. There's your problem right there. <laughs> So that means that those sequels don't exist because this movie does not exist without Jean-Claude Van Damme. Unless it's in the future and it's his son. Bum, bum, bum. One of a kind. Da, 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 da. You, you mean his son, Rob, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. His son, Rob, and his twerking girlfriend... Um, yeah, where did they end up after Impact? I don't know. I don't know. That probably just you know, just partying on, twerking, yeah. uh, doing what Rob Van Dam does. Very strange. They traded gimmicks. Him and yeah. Venus. Yeah, uh, <laughs> insane. Uh, a remake of Bloodsport was. Reported to be in planning in 2011. Uh, the main character was supposed to be an American Afga- Afghanistan... Oh, easy for me to say. An American Afghanistan war veteran competing in a Valet Tudo tournament in Brazil. Director James McTeague was attached to the project by 2013 and the filming was to be done in Australia and Brazil. But obviously just never happened um do you want to play yeah go on go on Uh, that just would have been interesting to have seen a remake um do you want to play the box office game i will warn you i've i've seen it okay wikipedia page right now i have not but um so let me know the the budget for this film all right, take a guess at the budget. Uh, 80s currency, US, $7 million? Uh Budget is $1.5 to $2.3 million, so no exact number, somewhere so in that 2.3, we'll say, is the, is the max. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say profit, and then I'll say $7 mil. You are correct in the fact that it's a profit. You are way off on how much. Oh. The box office the box office total was fifty million. Holy cow. I had no idea this was that much of a box office success. Like I know that this is a cult classic. Like any red blooded male with a hint of toxic masculinity in their veins, like, loves this movie. But um, I had no idea this was so, like, successful at the box office. Yeah, I had no idea it was that that big at the time, but if they're going to pump out four subpar sequels under ten years later in the space of four years, it sort of... Shows where their priorities were with trying to capitalise on it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I've got some notes here I'm bringing up from Messenger that I was messaging Warwick Thompson about the show, uh, about the movie, whilst I was watching it. Uh, the movie starts so much more sudden than I remembered. It opens with basically a montage of everyone preparing for the tournament. I thought that was unorthodox. Um, that Yeah, we sort of touched on that. Walk talks about how awesome the Kumite song on the soundtrack is. Kumite. Kumite. Yeah, it's awesome. He mentions that Frank Stukes is probably a massive liar. Um, In real yeah, life. Yeah, I said I looked it up. Sounds like a real piece of crap, but he inspired a fantastic movie, so I can't complain. Um. I talk about Chong Lee reminding me of Ryback, the way he moves his hands up and down as the crowd chants his name. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love the touch of, like, Jackson's bandana getting wrapped around Chong Lee's leg. Um, like yeah, the trophy is, in a sort of way. Yeah, it's such a good touch. Great touch. Um yeah, it's just an iconic movie. Just so much fun to watch. I loved this. Yeah, it, this this was really, really fun. Um, again, another 80s pick that you um, suggested that was really, really good. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of 80s movies. I'm probably going to keep that trend for my next movie selection whenever that happens. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, but this was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's, there hasn't really been, I don't think, an overly bad choice yet. No, no, it's coming. <laughs> Maybe. But, um, yeah, we haven't gone too far with a totally bad choice at least we're sort of keeping it either so bad it's good or it's good yeah exactly oh man um any sort of other notes because this is probably the movie that made john claude van damme but do you have like a favorite movie of his yeah this is my favorite movie of his flat out like if you say jean claude van damme movie to me this is my first choice every time um plus i love tournaments <laughs> and i think tournaments are a go a great sort of crutch for a martial arts film uh it worked with the karate kid it works with this like it's a great way to sort of tell an awesome story uh street fighter was an interesting john claude van damme movie i i liked that back in the day i haven't watched it since i was a little kid but yeah we're just gonna get that put on a t-shirt for you i love tournaments yes i do i do <laughs> knockout tournaments not round robin over one month g1 tournaments no matter how good they are what about uh, junior tag league yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Oh. Um, um, yeah, for myself, yeah. this is a good movie. The, um, was it, Street Fighter? It came out in the 90s, I think. Yes. 
that was good. Um, there's sort of a couple other ones. Nothing that's coming straight to mind for me off the top of my head. Um, but I guess he's sort of best known for his sort of martial arts um, techniques and stuff. He hasn't yeah. really done a lot of um, TV or anything, has he? Not that I know of. I'm sure there is a listener to our podcast right now screaming at the podcast right now because he is an avid John claude Van Damme fan. But, yeah, he's mainly just in movies, I think. Yeah. Um, um, let's talk about wrestling tie-ins. Uh, uh, the Chong Lee character was actually a huge inspiration in the creation of the Miro uh, Miro's Rusev character. Um, the way Rusev used to do the exact like hands down, like when people are chanting his name, like shaking his hands up and down, and the way Rusev does his kicks, the his facial expressions, his mannerisms. Yeah, it was a big inspiration uh, inspired by Chong Lee. Do you know Rusev's full name? Miroslav Banyashev? I just heard a podcast wow. him the other day. Wow, that is correct, sir. <laughs> yeah, I was just yeah. listening to him on the Jericho podcast like yesterday, I think. Uh, was it good? Yeah, really good. Yeah, those Jericho podcasts are always good, even though I kind of cringe at how he inserts his ads. But well, speaking just of... wait a moment there, mate. Do you like steak? Because you should go to this steakhouse where I didn't lose my championship belt because I'll look after your luggage. Go here, steakhouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I hate the way he, how he tries to make it sound yeah. like it's, it's part of the conversation when it's clearly not. And then plays oh. the music come back in yeah yeah but i recommend all of his interviews but the miro one's really good and yeah like it's not hard to see like the inspiration of the rusev character from the chong lee character um blood sport like hell there's an obvious wrestling tie-in with the whole blood sport josh barnett show which was originally, what was it, Matt Riddle's blood sport? Yeah, we don't talk about him anymore. No, but, yeah, that was all inspired by this whole thing. Like, the whole no ropes, but there's a Matt thing. Like, that's exactly blood sport. Yeah. Yeah, it's um very, very um heavily inspired by this. Uh, to date, there's been one, two, three, seven blood sports. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Crazy. So, why is there three this year? Oh, because they just did two over the course of a weekend a couple of weeks back. And then they're doing one mania weekend. That seems stupid. Anyway, uh, so it was... Suzuki versus Riddle, 2018. Uh, 2019 at Mania was Barnett v Suzuki. 2019 September weekend was Barnett versus Chris Dickinson. Uh, yeah. 
October 2020, which was supposed to be main year's Bloodsport, Moxley versus Chris Dickinson. <laughs> February 13th this year, Cobb versus Dickinson. Uh, February 20th this year, Moxley versus Davy Boy Smith. Had you seen either of those two uh, events from the past weekend? No, I've been meaning to go back and watch them. I've okay. heard good things about Moxley versus Davy Boy. And then last year's WrestleMania uh, Bloodsport will now take place. This year it is Barnett versus Moxley. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was kind of shocking to hear how many blood sports Chris Dickinson's headlined. We were just talking about him on the rap the other day. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he certainly uh, worth worth ca- uh, catching out, checking out. That's the word. Catch, <laughs> we got that. catch can. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, oh man. Um. Yeah, this, as you said, uh, GCW Bloodsport heavily inspired by uh, Bloodsport the movie. Yes, with definitely. its presentation and stuff. Yeah. And the logo. The logo. Yeah, the logo's iconic. Um, yeah. It's... Um, what are some of your favourite moments from the movie? Like, what stands out for you? The um, Mostly it's just the tournament fighting because I like, like MMA, martial arts, that sort of thing. Yeah, you're a Taekwondo expert, aren't you? <laughs> You wish. Back in the day? <laughs> Very little. But, um, no, it's mostly just um, that sort of stuff that stands out to me. There's not really any one thing in particular. I suppose the, um, the salt-throwing uh, moment, which has become a very gifable meme online. Yeah, definitely. Also, it's such a wrestling move they used there. <laughs> Oh, the salt to the eye. Yeah. I suppose it's uh, very what you'd see in Western wrestling, a lot of the Eastern Hills sort of views. Yeah, exactly. And, like, it would have been right around this time that you have Mr. Fuji interfering in demolitions matches, like throwing salt in the eyes of tag teams and stuff, like right around this exact time. So, yeah. Yeah, so... There's always a bit of crossover there. Fuji-san. Yes, Fuji-san. Wait. Spiritual advisor. Gift me with your strength. <laughs> Gift me with your salt. Anyway, he wasn't actually from Japan, was he? He was from Hawaii, wasn't he? Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Apart from, like, the sort of modern era... Um, Japanese wrestlers to come across and maybe Anoki and the Jumping Bomb Angels, has there really been any from like the 80s that were from Japan? Um, In WWF I mean. There was there was in the 70s there was like, uh, what's his name? Masa Saito I think but not many but there was a couple. Was that when they had their working relation with New Japan? Yeah, I think so, yeah. 
back when New Japan had their own WWF title or whatever, the WWF Junior Heavyweight title. Yeah, it's very prestigious. Yeah, they should bring that back. Get rid of the Intercontinental title, bring in the WWF Junior Heavyweight title out of retirement. Speaking of unifying your, your, your Intercontinental title with a world title, remember after the invasion when the WWF did that? Yeah, they got rid of the Intercontinental title. For how long? Like, almost a year, I think. And who was the last IC champ before it was unified? Who unified every other belt into the IC champ? <laughs> who do you think in O2, in O3, um, Triple H? No, no, before that. The one who unified all the other titles, like the hardcore, uh, not the hardcore, might have been the hardcore, the European, uh, the US, into the IC title. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes, you are correct. His Rob brother, Van Damme. Rob. <laughs> yes. See, it all comes full circle. And I, suppose... I believe he merged all the lower card titles into the Intercontinental title, but then lost the Intercontinental title to Kane, who lost it to Triple H. Yeah, that sounds about right, because... Yeah. Triple H must go over, brother. Yeah, well... It's really weird to think that there was a whole year, almost a whole year, without the Intercontinental title. Yeah, it is a bit weird looking back on it now. Yeah, because I'm currently in the process, just for entertainment's sake, going back and watching, like, 2002 Smackdowns from the brand split era, which are all really good because that was like SmackDown 6 era, yeah. lots of awesome in-ring wrestling. And, like, I looked it up because I was like, oh, when are they bringing in the bloody US title? They need a mid-card title in this brand. It's like, oh, not until late next year. I free, is it? Yeah. So... And then I did my research and I was like, oh, they don't even have the Intercontinental title on Raw at this point. There's no mid-card titles in the WWE for like a year. What a weird time. So November 18th Survivor Series, uh, the WCW US Championship is unified with the uh, IC title by... Edge. Yeah, so that that was O one, wasn't it? O one, yep. Then in July of O two, Rob Van Dam, the current IC champ, defeats Jeff Hardy to unify it with the European Championship. Um, Then on where the hell's the date here? Um, August. 25th, 2002, uh, the next night on Raw following SummerSlam, Rob Van Dam defeated Tommy Dreamer to unify the hardcore title with the IC title. Uh, then he'd lose it to Jericho, who'd lose it to Kane, and the next month Kane would lose it to Triple H, who unifies it with the World Heavyweight Championship, which is a big goal that then... Is the Big Gold still active that entire time? 
Yeah, I think the big gold like shows up on Raw after SummerSlam 02 where they make Brock Lesnar and the WWE Championship exclusive to SmackDown. And then like the next week, Eric Bischoff shows up on Raw and just hands the big gold to Triple H. <laughs> yeah. Which, Horrible. like, why not? Because it was just where it was going to go anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like, true. that title never left Triple H's house for a long period of time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, weird little sidetrack, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can see we can the... talk about 2002-2003 brand split era some other time. If we're doing... The invasion, we're pretty much gonna have to do two free shows on it. Oh man. Uh, and I don't wanna open up that can of worms. Yeah. Unless we're just gonna go, right, we're sitting down, we're just gonna tape this all in one go. <laughs> yeah. Uh but that's enough from us. Alex, where can the good humans find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Fruity is Alex. Search us up. Oh whoop, got that wrong. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Fruity is Alex. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at WrestleOzStyle with an AUS. Search us up on Facebook, Wrestling Ozstyle, and you can find Chris at... at I'm Chris Funder as well. You can go back and listen to the entire Wrestling Ozstyle archive for free on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Apple Music via the RSS feed found in the show links below. Nothing left to say, but good day, and we'll speak to you next time. Kumate, 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 you're next. One of a kind.